Good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? We are glad that, uh, well, one of you said great. I don't know about everybody else, but we are sure glad that each and every one of you are here this morning, and uh, what, a, what a great uh, God we serve. Amen? Amen? I was thinking about that when Sonny was sharing about the power that is in the name of Jesus, and that is so true. Uh, that name has so much power. Um, I want to just briefly just mention a couple things as we begin this morning. Number one, for all of our teams and uh, for those who have an announcement, whether it be for a Bible study, whatever, we're trying to move to everything before service with no announcements, just up here. So I know it's going to take some effort on our part for us to read those in the morning, but uh, if you want to know what's going on and happening, um, these deals right here also, these handouts will have it on there, but just a reminder, so... The women's group, they're having the, their potluck. It's actually February the 19th, not March. So you'll be almost a month. We'll be a month late if you come in, in March. So, um, but anyway, so ladies, make note of that. Uh, one other thing, um, I had one of, our, uh, one of the men here in our church came up to me. His wife had been fighting cancer and has been battling it for some time. And uh, Miss Dina... Zingraft is, uh, she's completely cancer-free now, and he just wanted to give a testimony of that, so, yeah. Um, also, there's going to be a short meeting for the greeters and for hospitality. Sydney, where are you? There you are. In there, right? Right after church? Okay, fantastic. That's all of announcements, by the way. Yes, thank you. I don't like them either, so anyway. Um, well, let's get to something here um, that is far more significant, important, and let's go to the Word of God this morning. Um, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. We're going to continue this morning, as we were last week, from where we were the last few weeks, actually, on God's design for marriage, that it is far more than just being hitched. There's a lot more to it, and... I was, as a young man, believe it or not, I've hard to believe this, I know, but, but I was ignorant to what God's design really was in marriage. I should have known to a degree, but I really did not understand from the Word of God all that God had designed for marriage to be. And uh, I'm thankful that my wife has been patient with me. And uh, as I've learned and studied over the years about marriage, and I'm convicted as a pastor and as a husband every time I preach or teach marriage, because I realize that as a man, I, how far short I fall in so many of these aspects. So if you're here today and you feel like you've fallen short in some of these areas, then you're in, I wouldn't say good company, but you're in my company. And um, that doesn't give me any excuse, that just reminds me of how much I need God in my life to help me to love my wife the way that he's called me to love her. So this morning, I want to give you, um, from the Word of God, his design for marriage in a way that will change and transform the way that you think about your spouse, your husband, your wife, the way that you view marriage, the way that you understand your covenant promise even in more detail about really what is this whole thing all about. And I think as a whole, we could all admit that there's just a lot of things about marriage we don't understand. And marriage is not easy for anyone. 
And for our young people here this morning, I know many of them are back in youth. They probably should be here this morning hearing this. For our college students and those who are not married, I don't want to portray a picture that marriage is easy. It's not easy. It's about sacrifice. Uh, It's about a focus on somebody other than yourself. In fact, it does the opposite. It takes self-centeredness and crushes it. And so it's not easy because it goes against really who we are and what we are. We're all by nature a little selfish. Well, I'm not, but, but, but uh, the truth is we're, by nature we're selfish. We're self-centered and self-focused. And if you think about it and you just look at our culture today on what they, what they teach us about marriage and what they teach us about love, it's really all self-centered is what it is. But... When we begin to understand God's incredible design for marriage, men, it's going to be a blessing for you. And women, it's going to be a great blessing for you. So it won't only bless the two of you, it's going to bless your children. And it's also going to affect and bless your grandchildren. And this goes on for generations. And so I'm excited today. Because I'm going to be preaching about the women and their role in marriage. So, next week, you men, please come. Please come. Wives, if he says he's got a bellyache, I want him here anyway. Okay? Yeah, there's no getting out of this deal. No, in all seriousness, though, if you want to really understand this thing called marriage, it's incredible. We have to get it. We need to understand it because it will change your life. If you've been married 30 years, 40 years, we have some couples in our church that have been married over 60 years, and they could teach me a few things as well about marriage. But let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's get into this study of God's design for marriage. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, the truth is we cannot make all this work without you. You are the originator, the creator, the designer of it all. You've even written the book on how to do it and why we do it, the importance of it, our roles in marriage. Why are these significant? Why did you make man the way that you made him? Why did you design woman the way that you designed her? What is this whole thing about and the family and everything that you're doing? God, why did you do this? Well, Lord, thank you that you've not left us unaware. You've taught us these things in your word. And Lord, your Holy Spirit this morning, please teach us what it is when it comes to marriage and why it's so important. And this affects every single person here, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, whether we're we're, we're single and looking for a mate, or whether we're married, it, it affects every one of us today. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for every person that's here today, those listening. Uh, by radio and other forms of media. We're just glad they're here. And Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, would minister to us and that you would help us, Lord, to do this in a way that honors and glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to begin in Ephesians 5, reading in verse 22. I've done this for the last few weeks, and we're going to go to the very end of the chapter. So follow along with me. If you do not have your Bible with you, we'll have these up on the screen for you to look at. Paul here is, is really writing now about application. He has spent... Uh, The first few several chapters here in in Ephesians talking about doctrine, talking about who we are in Christ, all these things that have happened. And now he's getting into the practicality of now how we live all these things out. 
And so in chapter 5, you'll find those things. And we're going to move through here as we, as we look about how we, as the body of Christ, submit to one another. And then how the wives and the husbands do what they do within marriage and then children. And, and he moves his whole way through here. But let's begin here partway through the chapter in verse 22. Paul writes these words. Wives. Let me read it out of this one. I'm going to read it out of the, in, in, the, you know, the uh, ESV. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water and through the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Last time you'll remember uh, that we were together a week ago, uh, we talked about God had three primary reasons uh, for marriage and for the, the covenant of this relationship that he designed, ordained, and created in the making of man and woman. The first one was procreation. That was the first reason we learned. That was one of God's purposes in making man and woman it was procreation, that God would rule through those he created in his image and his name would be proclaimed throughout the earth and that our children would bear the name and proclaim the name of God throughout the earth. The second thing we learned was that God's purpose in creating marriage was man's potential realization. And I understand that we do not need to find our fulfillment in our spouse. In fact, you will not find complete fulfillment in your spouse. It won't happen. And if you're looking for that, you're going to be left pretty miserable. But the truth is, in a marriage relationship, I'm speaking of marriage now, in a marriage relationship and the family relationship, the husband desperately needs the wife, and the wife desperately needs the husband. In order to maximize their potential of one another in their relationship to each other and also in their families, 
The God is so designed man and so designed woman that when he took out of man and created woman, he did something there that only when the two come back together in a marriage relationship, monogamously coming together, that when they both came back together, they were one flesh. And he created men with certain attributes and certain things, the way that they think, the way that they're designed, everything that he made about a man, and then also things about a woman. And you, in a home situation, and for those of you that are single parents, you will verify every aspect of this, that it is very, very difficult for you. In fact, it's impossible for you, as hard as you try, to fulfill within your children the role of whatever parent is absent from the home. It's very difficult for example, myself as a man, I don't have that, I'm not very nurturing, I'm just not. Um, I don't have that words, that feely kind of stuff that you see mamas have. Moms are nurturing, they, they care deeply. In fact, if you are in prison and everybody else has written you off and you burn every single bridge in your life, your dad may not be in your life, but there'll be one person who still is. It'll be the mother. It's the nurturing aspect of the family. It's the disciplining of the father. It's the mother and the keeping of the home and what she does and how she does all that she does. It's, it's every aspect, how the father actually does the work of, of speaking into their children as far as um, giving them that blessing, if you will, both the, the young lady and both the young man. And so for single parents, it's very difficult, as hard as they try, and God uses you and I know that it's taxing and it's difficult. And I, I really honestly, my heart goes out to you and I just want to give you a big hand clap and cheer you on and say, keep on keeping on. Do the very best you can. God will honor you in that. But in the family, we need both the husband and the wife. It's very critical that they have it. And so not only is it man's potential realization where I fall short and I don't have elements, my wife has and where she's short on certain elements and certain things, guess what? God has equipped me to be able to help her and to bring about potential in her life. And she brings about things in my life that I couldn't do on my own. And so God is helping us work out our self-potential realization of what he created us to be. And it only happens within the confines of marriage. It can only happen when both are doing that and complimenting one another. The third thing is this, and we're going to study this in detail this morning. It's very important that we get this. I pretty much had a little bit of an idea of the first two. Marriage, procreation, got it. The second thing is my wife, yeah, I love her. I feel great when I'm around her. Um, I love to spend time with her. She has gifts and talents that I don't have. I mean, I kind of got the self-realization to a little bit of a degree. But this one here is where I really fell short. And that is God's redemptive illustration we, this morning, as Christians, we need to understand this. In Ephesians 5, 32, listen to what Paul says here. And we'll all agree with this. Paul calls marriage a profound mystery. And I don't know one of you that don't say, Woo, amen to that. We don't always understand everything. Can't figure it all out. And then he's going to share with us about this mystery. Listen, there is absolutely no way that an unbelieving individual can grasp or even begin to understand God's design for marriage because it all begins with a foundation of him. It's where it all begins. And so if, if we didn't know Christ or we don't know Christ in a world that's outside of Christ, we can't expect them to even begin to understand marriage. 
Because you cannot do it if you do not understand God's redemptive illustration. If you can't understand the whole design for marriage, that it's not all about you, although you get enjoyment from it, it has a far, far, far greater purpose, far greater purpose. And only in Christ do we even begin to understand what this is. That the covenant of marriage, it is a physical reality, listen to me now, that has far more incredible um, elements for spiritual reality and spiritual truth. And that is the, the relationship of Christ and the church. And what I want you to understand as we go down through that, that if, 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 if marriage is, is by God's design a physical reality of his redemptive spiritual truth, that this mystery must be spiritually revealed and it is through the word of God that we find the answers to God's design for marriage. It shouldn't shock us that our culture is completely messed up, that it's completely jacked up when it comes to love. And men, we're going to look at love next week, what this term really means. It's, 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 it's not surprising that it's self-centered and self-motivated. We get that. We understand that. We should as Christians. But the, the body of Christ, listen to me, ought to be something set apart for the rest of the world to look at and to see. And this marriage relationship is one of God's main purposes, is to be an illustration to the world of his divine, listen to me, his divine redemption. This is an incredible truth. And I promise you, more than likely, you never received any of this information in marriage counseling before you were married. My wife and I sat down with our pastor, literally, if it was more than 10 minutes, I am shocked, literally. And he didn't explain any of this to me. My parents didn't explain any of this to me. I'd read through Ephesians a whole bunch of times, but I didn't understand it. But listen to what this is. So many Christians today, if you're here this morning, you say, John, I still am struggling. I don't understand. Listen, it's okay. We're going to learn about this today, and it's going to change your life. If we're truly ever going to understand this mystery of marriage that surrounds all of this covenant, this design, and the family, and all that God has, we have to understand that there's a spiritual reality of God's design for marriage. And it, it, it's the physical is a picture pointing to the spiritual, and that's exactly what we see. And we're going to learn about how that happens all through Scripture, but anyway. So in verse 22, understanding this now, that God is doing something to the world through your marriage as a Christian, listen to me, that he is using our marriages as, as, as imperfect as they are, as an illustration physically pointing to a spiritual reality and a spiritual truth of the redemption of mankind to God through Christ. This is a very important understanding of what marriage is. And so in verse 22, follow with me. We're going to break this down. Hang with me here. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of what? The church, his body, and he is the savior of it. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. 
Now listen, for ladies, if we don't understand this reality of what what God is really getting at in marriage, when I say the word submit to you, the first thing that's going to happen to you, for, for many of you, is the hair on the back of your neck just went, and you turned your hearing aids to off mode, and you have shut this whole message down because you do not want to hear about how you're to submit to your husband. Because that's not in your nature. It's not in my nature. It's not in your nature. It's not in our nature to just naturally do what the word of God tells us to do here. But if you can begin to understand this incredible illustration of the sovereign God in his redemption of mankind is portrayed through your marriage without anyone ever seeing or reading the Bible, it will change the way you understand what all this means. See, this is far greater than just you being under the subjection of your husband. This this is showing people a a picture of, of the reality of a spiritual reality and the spiritual reality that is real and that is happening even today. And we as a church are underneath the subjection of the head of the church who is Christ. Your marriage, listen to me ladies, what an incredible ministry you have here. And it is a ministry of showing a world what it looks like to be the body of Christ underneath his authority and under his subjection by the way that you submit under the authority of your husband. See, it's far greater than this. That's why Satan doesn't want us to do these things. Doesn't want it to happen. So we have a physical picture. I'm a visual guy. Most of us guys are. We, we learn things by visual things. I mean, I can learn by reading. I can. But you really want me to get it? Let me see it and put it together. Let me do that. And I'll remember this thing a whole lot better. And so what we're doing is, is we are used by God in order that we're illustrating to the world both husband's role and wife's role. And we see this incredible gift and this incredible thing called marriage. It is a testimony to the illustration of a physical reality to the most important of all things. God's purpose for all things here in the redemption of mankind. He's using it through your marriage. It's incredible. Did Jesus do this in the Gospels where he took the parables? Think about the parables. He would use a physical example, right? And what did he do with it? He would teach a spiritual truth. All through the Gospels, that's what Jesus did. Physical example, spiritual truth. I live in the physical realm, but it also shows us there's a spiritual realm. It's all true. It's all real. And so we, we do this all the time when we take communion, for example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth there. A, vi- a city filled full of just all kinds of garbage. You can't even imagine what Corinth was like. And this is what Paul says to them. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. And this is part of this covenant. We're going to hopefully have time to get into it. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took something. They've just taken and eaten the Passover meal. They've already eaten it. After now, he's in the middle of this meal and they finish. Jesus grabs a loaf of bread 
a physical example. And Paul says that when Jesus took the bread, and we read this in the other gospel accounts, what did he do? And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. He broke it. And when he broke it, he said, this is my body. This is my body, he says, which is for you. Do in remembrance of me. So what Jesus was doing is he took the bread and he said, obviously, this is not my body. We get this. He's using a physical example to show a spiritual illustration. He takes the loaf of bread, he breaks it, and he says, this is my body. By the way, tomorrow, they're going to break my body. But I'm giving you a symbol of what this means. This bread is my body. It's broken for you. And every time you break bread and you eat this bread, you're to remember something about me. Then he moves on from there after he breaks the bread. Then he moves on and says, in the same way as he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup, now he's got a cup, it's got wine in it. We know that wine is symbolic of what? This new covenant, but it's the blood covenant. That's what this is. It's a blood covenant. He holds up the cup. He says, this cup right here is the new covenant. That's what this is. In my blood. You guys don't understand this, but tomorrow you're going to see it. My own blood is going to be poured out all over the ground, and my blood will be like the Paschal Lamb over the door in the frames of the Egyptians' homes there with the Israelites under captivity. It's going to be the thing that covers you and covers your sin and protects you from the wrath of God. I'm going to pour out my blood for you. So when you drink this, he says, remember now, Remember, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, guess what you do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he's using a physical thing to demonstrate a spiritual reality. That's what he's doing. He's doing the same thing in our, in our roles in marriage. So our physical roles in marriage point to a spiritual truth of this of the role of Christ, who now is in comparison, Paul says, would be like the husband. And then he says, Christ here, the church here, right? Or here, here, however you want to do it. And then the wife is over here, and here's the husband, or here. Paul says, I'm trying to help you see this unbelievable mystery here that God is using within his own sovereignty and his own design that our marriages would be a picture to all those watching what redemption is all about. And the wife's role is no less unimportant than the husband's role. It's very important that we understand that. So he starts out and says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the wife in the marriage relationship is pointing to a spiritual truth and reality that the body of Christ shows as it submits to the authority of Christ over his body. And that's what's going on here. Paul says this is very important. Now, ladies, you'll understand that if you're pointing to a spiritual reality by the way that you submit to your husband and his authority and his leadership, listen to me, that you're doing much more than just blessing your husband. You're actually obeying God. That's what you're doing. And you're showing others who are watching your marriage Christ's purpose for his church and his sacrifice. You're showing it. That word really truly means in the Greek, hoop, hoopatasso is how you pronounce that. 
I'm not telling you that's Greek, but that's Greek, right? It means to place under rank, under to be under subjection, um, to submit, to put myself into subjection. See, there is a, a willingness here. And what's important that we understand is this is not a command from your husband. This is actually something God has commanded you to do because of the importance of what your role is and what you're pointing out and what you're illustrating to a world that doesn't know Christ. That's what's incredible about it. By the way, this has absolutely nothing to do with feeling. This is by God's design. And your submission to your husband ultimately is reflective of your submission to God. Because he says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. See, in this relationship of marriage, and I know today we see this all the time, the wedding is all about the man and the woman. And it's all horizontal. This marriage that we see today is all horizontal. It's all about this relationship of man and woman. But what's really going on in a marriage covenant ceremony is this relationship here will never be right and it will never work right if this relationship here is not correct. It won't happen. So what's going on in a marriage covenant ceremony is there's actually three here and we are witnesses to it that God himself is present here as he has ordained marriage And what's going on here is God says, listen, in our marriages, I first, this relationship here, in order for, if it's right, it will hope, it'll change this relationship here. And marriage in our culture is all about this horizontal relationship. It's all about feeling, feeling, feeling. That's what it's all about. But we have to be careful about feelings because you know what feelings do. Some of you are going to be honest. I don't always feel in love. My wife does, but unfortunately, just kidding. She does not always feel in love with me. Some of you are like, well, I don't know why, but hey, she doesn't. And she's even told me so. I don't feel like I love you today. Well, I wouldn't love me today either. Trust me, I don't even like myself today. See, the danger is that when this horizontal relationship's all about feeling, I counsel couples, and in about another two years, they're in my office, and you know what they're doing? They were connected to the skull when I counseled them. I mean, it's like, ah, it just never ends. Ah, they're finishing each other's sentences, and I mean, oh, they love each other. A few years down the road, whoa, it's as if the room is full of strife and bitterness, anger, resentment. And one of them will say this, I don't feel in love anymore. See, that's the wrong answer and that's the wrong question. It's not about what you feel. It's not about what we feel. Is love a feeling? Yes and no. It's true. God did not say, listen, women, when I've given you this incredible design upon the face of the earth, that in your marriages as Christians, 
that the world looking on in all kinds of disastrous relationships, brokenness, all kinds of things that are just trashing their lives, what an unbelieving world can do is look at the body of Christ and see within the marriage relationship God's divine plan for complete and total restoration and his divine plan for salvation for humanity. It's not normal for us to submit. It's not what we do. I mean, how many of you like to follow the speed limit? We have state patrolmen that go here. I got to be careful when I say that. They look for my vehicle. And they're just doing their job. And we have those things in place for our protection. And so this is another very important thing. Okay, we got to hurry here. Now, it's not about feeling. It's not about feeling. It's about this relationship that affects this relationship. Now listen. Why? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself is its savior. Listen. Galatians chapter 3, ladies and men, listen to this. Starting in verse 26 to 29. So in Christ Jesus, we are all children through faith. For all of us who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, or female. For you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. As far as equality goes in our creation, please hear what I'm saying. There is absolutely no, no levels at the cross. There's none. And in the body of Christ, which we are part of, there is no levels. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, Greek, Jew, slave, or free. Everyone who is in Christ, we are equal in Christ. There's no level. But listen, you still, even in that, never see a body without ahead. If you do, you need to leave because that person's dead. And you don't, very rarely, you don't see bodies with two heads. That's a freak of nature. That's what that is. And even in the body of Christ, although we are all completely the same, God says, I still placed a head over the body. I still placed a head over the body. 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 9. But I want you to understand, Paul says, that the head of every man, by the way, men, you have a head, is Christ. The head of every wife is her husband. The head of Christ, as the God-man, is God. And he moves down through here and he says... Every man who prays and prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since the same if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it's disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover, let her, cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for a man. What's Paul doing? He's using a physical to explain a spiritual truth. It's what he's doing. 
It's exactly what Paul is doing here. The same way as the church, the church sometimes wants to be above Christ. It's where the church wants to be. We can't be. We're always under Christ. It's the way God designed for it to be. Now listen, we're going to rush through this really fast. So the role of wives in marriage submitting to their husbands as to the Lord, listen, is a physical reality of a much deeper spiritual truth of the church. That's we as the body of Christ submits to the head of Christ in everything. So let's look at this. What happens when the body does not submit to the authority of Christ? I want you to think about this. Sin. It's called disobedience. And although our position in Christ does not change, our relationship with God is affected. When the church does not submit to the authority of Christ... I'm walking in disobedience to what God has told me to do in his word or his spirit's leading me and directing me to do. When I'm not listening to the head and I'm disobeying the head and I will not submit to Christ for his authority, for his headship, for who he is, what happens is, is I sin against God and there's always consequences for that. But you know the gravest thing that happens when I disobey God or I don't, I don't come under his authority, under the authority of Christ, you know the worst thing that happens to me? My personal relationship with a father is affected. My position in Christ is not changing. I am always in Christ because of what Jesus did. But my relationship to the father has been greatly affected. And until I get under the authority of Christ and ask for the forgiveness of the father, that relationship stands apart. What happens when a wife will not submit to the authority of their husband. Some of you ladies are saying, I get what I want, right? <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Listen to this. Their position as a married couple does not change, but the husband-wife relationship will be greatly affected. There are two keys that Paul's giving us here. You ladies, this is a gift on Valentine's week. I can guarantee you that you when, you, when you dishonor your husband, the number one thing that affects your husband is when you dishonor him. In fact, the red button that's in the room when you two are having your whatever, it says dishonor. It, it's flashing. And all you have to do is smash that dishonor button and that thing will go boom, wow. Do you know why? Because that's how God made your man. The number one thing he wants is to be respected and just honored. Oh, wives, you don't know the power you have in your hands. Oh, man. To take your husband who may be beat down, broken, whatever it is. You want to jump that man through hoops and raise him to a position that will make you proud of who he is as a man. You build that man up and you offer him honor. We men, we die for honor. Military, you know why they lay their life down? Honor, baby. 
It's about honor. That's why we do it. We'll take a bullet. We'll, we'll take whatever it means because it's about honor. That's what it's about. We're honoring something. We are all about honor. That's what we're about. We're about honor. So when we disobey this command by God and in our marriage relationships, we dishonor our husband because, listen, sometimes we aren't honorable. Do you hear me? It doesn't say do this if your husband is worthy of honor because there's not one man in here that's truly worthy of your honor all the time. It's impossible. We will not. We fail. We do stupid things, or at least I do. I can't speak for all men. Uh, yeah, I can. <laughs> we will let you down. We will fail you. We will do all those things in our humanity. But at the end of the day, what we really need is for a wife just to say, hey, I'm going to pick you up here, hubby. You have the most power of any person on the earth to either elevate your husband to a place that he is honored at the gates of the city, or you have the power within your own doing to crush that man, to make him nothing. Does that make sense? As a church, wow, what a privilege we have to bring glory and honor to the name and the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about me offering him praise and worship and glory because he's worthy of my praise. And what we do in a marriage relationship, and this will blow your girlfriend's mind, when you offer honor to, you're not the girl at the table at the restaurant. Just telling you, let me tell you about what my old man did this week. I'm going to get to you men saying old women next week. Okay, hang on. You're not sitting in that little circle henpecking your hubby for everything he does wrong. He's going to do a lot of things wrong. You want to follow the scriptures and watch your marriage shoot through the clouds and have an unbelievable relationship that you can't even explain, not only with your heavenly father, but with your husband. You tell them ladies to shut their mouths because your man, he all that. He is all that even when you know he's not. It's incredible. Women look at that and say, yeah, men get all the good stuff. No, we don't. <laughs> God has so designed this that there is no level of power here. Right. Ladies, you don't even know the power God has given you through the things you do and the things you say to your man. You have no idea. And man, you have no idea how much power God's given you through the way that you love your wife. It's incredible. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, 
lest you die. But the serpent, who was Satan, said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. In this, we're going to see there's two things here. Number one, Eve should have consulted Adam. Now, hold on here. Something sounds a little fishy here. Adam, what's going on here? Are we supposed to do that? I mean, that's that, are we supposed to? So she, she, she usurped what she should have done in going to Adam, whom she came from, and asked Adam. But you know who gets blamed for this sin? Adam. Do you know why? Because he's the head. Oh, man. Adam was there. You know what he was? Apathetic. He was apathetic. It's incredible. Where was Adam? He wasn't stepping up to his role either, was he? Are you kidding me? God gave him dominion over every living thing that walked and crawled upon the face of the earth. And when Satan entered a serpent crawling upon the ground, Adam had authority over it all. Do you see what I'm saying? And we know what happened. Terrible thing happened. Sin entered the world. They died physically later, spiritually immediately. Marriage in our day is all about feeling. But it's not all about feeling, guys. God's design is just the opposite. Listen to this, and I'll wrap it up. Marriage, listen to me, young people, husband, wife. Marriage is about sacrifice. We're going to learn more about the sacrifice next week. It requires that we focus on our spouse and God and not our self. So those men who have an idea of this dominion that they somehow are powered over, they have no, no idea what they're even saying. It's not driven by feeling, but it's driven by faithfulness. Ma'am, your husband will not always earn your respect nor your honor. But it's about your faithfulness to God. It's incredible. Marriage is not easy. It's the greatest of all relationships, but it can be the most difficult as well. Not one time in this section of Scripture are we told anything about feeling. Not one time are we told to do this if the husband earns it or deserves it. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to, to their husbands and everything. So what happens when the church submits to Christ? I'm almost through, I promise. Amazing things happen when the church submits to Christ. Supernatural things happen when the church submits to Christ. Those around us are affected 
the world is affected when we are obedient and submissive to Christ. How powerful is this, ladies? Let me show you for some of you that may be married to an unbeliever. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2. Listen to this, ladies. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, listen to this, they may be one without a word by the conduct of your of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct do you want to know how powerful this element is he says it's so powerful for you ladies that are not even married currently to a man that is even a follower of Christ that when you walk in submission and obedience to God in honoring that man listen this is how powerful it is by your quietness and your submissiveness in the way that you love him and that you honor Christ and you honor him, that it's so powerful that ladies, without you even nagging your husband to come one time to church, without you even telling him what he's doing wrong, without grabbing the Bible and slamming it down on the kitchen table and trying to read scripture to him, God says this is so powerful, ladies, that your man could even be won over to Christ without you saying one solitary word. That's how powerful this is. And therefore, let your light shine. Why? So that they outside may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Church, we shouldn't have to say a whole lot to the world. We walk in submission in obedience to the headship of Christ, we can win people over in the world by the way that we honor our head, Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? I told you I'd be done and I'm finishing now. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, this is an incredible teaching on just your plan for marriage, Lord, that you've showed us here in Ephesians 5. And I know that there's some wives here, including mine, that are living in a home sometimes where their husband is the last person in the world that needs to be honored or respected. But I pray today, Lord, for the ladies that are here, for those that are married, for those that are seeking to be married, for those that have been divorced and are living through pain, Lord, all of these that are here, Lord, you know every heart, that today they might see the greatest reason of all for marriage is because it illustrates your divine plan for Christ, redemption, and the body of Christ. Lord, this isn't easy. But from what I read in Scripture, it wasn't easy for Jesus as he prayed in the garden, if there be any other way. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Marriage from first to last is about sacrifice. It's about faithfulness. It's about honoring you first, God, in order that we might honor, love, cherish, respect our spouses. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray that your grace would pour over the hearts of the people here. And 
Lord, next week as we come and learn about this incredible role that you've given men and how marriages in this church are going to be different because, Lord, of what you've taught us in your word. Thank you, God. Go with us from this place. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, please, the lodge is open for prayer. Husband, wife, it doesn't matter. God bless you all. Have a super week in the Lord.